Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. So yeah, week one, the gospel according to Pixar. And if you haven't worked it out yet, we're going to use the very first Pixar full-length movie this morning as our kickoff, which was released in 1995. Some of you weren't even born in 1995. I've been married three years by that point. That brought me to my senses this morning. Uh, it's Toy Story. And this was the first um, completely computer-generated animated film of its kind. It got three Academy Award nominations, spawned three sequels, the latest of which Toy Story 4 is in all good cinemas near you right now. So if you haven't um, seen it, then I'd encourage you to go and do that. And if you don't know, if you haven't seen the film, if you're about the 2% on the planet that haven't, haven't actually seen this film, it's all about... Um, this old pull-string cowboy called Woody, who's the favourite toy of a little boy called Andy. And when Andy leaves the room or goes to sleep, all of his toys come to life. Wouldn't that be awesome if that really happened? Um, And Woody is Andy's favourite toy, and he goes everywhere with him, even sleeps in the same bed with him. Um, And he's got Andy's name in permanent marker written on the sole of his shoe. And so anyway, Andy's birthday comes around as it does every year and, and they all gather around and, and listen to the new toys that are coming into the home. And what they're doing is they're hoping they don't get replaced by something shinier and new. And But this year, you know, Andy's present is the game changer. It's a brand new, all flashing Buzz Lightyear. Who had one of those when they were a kid? Who had a Buzz Lightyear? Oh, I knew you, but Aaron. So, <laughs> so Buzz immediately threatens Woody's leadership of his toys because he appears cooler and he's got more gadgets and he can fly. And suddenly Woody experiences envy and he's got competition for the first time as Andy's favourite toy and he quickly becomes Andy's favourite, even being the one toy that now Andy takes to bed at night with him. You see, all the privileges Woody once enjoyed as Andy's favourite toy have now passed on to Buzz. And for the first time in Woody's life, he finds himself relegated with the rest of the toys in the box at night. Does that relate to you at all? You know, everything is feeling and looking great. Everybody's in their right place in their world for you. It's just the way you wanted. And then there's a suddenly and something or someone changes. You know, I've got to be honest with you, I'm no longer young, and, it, and I, it pains me to say that to you, but I'm not, um, and my world's starting to look a little different. Um, and maybe for you it is as well. Maybe you suddenly realise that the small children you used to parent are now grown up, and they don't maybe need you in the same way that they did before. And where did all that time go? In? And if you're like me, you can start to feel a little left behind, And Woody struggles because he no longer feels important. And Andy's got a new favourite toy and Woody's jealousy gets out of control because he just wants to be Andy's favourite again. He just wants to be the one again. So he gets so jealous he pushes Buzz out of the window to try and get rid of him and we'd never do that, would we? We'd never do that, but I bet we thought about it with some people. I bet we thought about it. You see, jealousy is a beast, isn't it? Jealousy is a beast. It can make me act in ways that totally go against how God's created me to be. It can make me act and think irrationally. It can cause me to compromise my values and my standards. And I didn't share this at the earlier service, but but I will at this one. Um, 
it, it caused me to have, jealousy caused me to have a fight with my best friend on the drive of my parents over a guy. Over a guy. A full-on fight. Actually, it was over my husband, actually. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and I have to be honest with you, even though this happened 30-odd years ago, I could still feel it. Why did you sit in the back of the car with her? We weren't even going out at the time. And it is because you get pushed to a place of insecurity and a place of instability. And it, can, and it made me become negative and angry because somebody that I said that I love, we've been best friends for years. Russ was oblivious, as he always is, about most things. But um, he didn't even know. But even still talking about it, I felt it. I felt those pangs. And it becomes so easy kind of, to look around and see people that maybe you think are more attractive than you or are more successful than you or seem to have it all together more than you do. But what does that do to me? Listen, this is what it does to me. The less I think about myself, the less I think God thinks about me. The less I think about myself, the less I think God thinks about me because jealousy and envy are one of the major hurdles to really healthy relationships. Not just marriages, but any relationship. So Woody's got a bit of a self-worth problem. Then our friend Buzz is on the opposite extreme, isn't he? Because he actually thinks he's a real spaceman who can really fly, sent to earth to fight evil. And Woody tries everything to show Buzz that that's just not the case, that he's just a toy. But Buzz has got this really inflated opinion of himself. He's got this huge ego. Ever met people like that? Yeah? <laughs> He thinks he's more important than Woody. And the truth is, before I start being really harsh on Buzz, there are times when I've been just like him, I just struggle to admit that more. And there's something common to Buddy and Woods, but, but Woody and Buzz, sorry, they both believed, I've got my teeth in, that they are defined by external circumstances. And we do this all the time. We define ourselves by our jobs, by our families, by our intellect, by our usefulness. And if any of those things are challenged and we start to feel worthless, a bit less valued, then we think that if we can just improve one of those things, if we can just say, change something on the outside, then it'll make me better on the inside and I'll, it'll make me feel more valuable as a person. That's what we think. That's what we think. Listen, buying better football boots will not make me a better footballer. And buying better golf clubs, if you're a golfer, will not stop you hitting the ball into the rough. It just won't happen. If I can just change this, if I can just buy this, I'll be a better person, maybe more desirable, maybe more attractive. In doing these things, we're forgetting who we really are. Woody thinks he's no longer worthy of being Andy's favorite toy. And Buzz thinks he's too good to be just another toy. So how about us this morning? Are we not good enough for others? Or are we too good to need others? And I'm guessing we can probably switch through that a hundred times a day, depending on whether I'm being complimented or whether I'm being criticized. And depending how I'm feeling at the time. And the incredible part of this film, isn't it, is when, is when Woody and Buzz have this pivotal role reversal. And, and um, if you remember, the two have been captured by Sid, the toy torturer, who lives next door. And Buzz sees this TV advert for a new toy, a Buzz Lightyear. And he suddenly has this moment of revelation when he realizes that Woody is right. 
but doesn't have any special powers. He can't fly. His lasers are just colored lights and his spaceship is plastic. He's a toy. And now Buzz is the one feeling worthless. But guess who comes to Buzz's rescue? You know, the important lesson from that is that it doesn't matter how important you are. It only matters how important you are to someone. It matters how important you are to someone. And Woody reminded Buzz, didn't he, that Andy loved him so much that he claimed him as his own. And, and Buzz lifts his foot up and guess what he sees? Andy's name on the bottom of his shoe. Have you ever done that? Have you ever marked something out as your own? Put your name on something so it's yours. I used to do this all the time when I was a kid. And um, to my shame, I used to do it in my Panini football sticker album collection books, and, which I have right back to 1978, I'll have you know. Shows how old I am. But I put my name in so it wouldn't be misplaced and it wouldn't be um, mistaken for somebody else's. Actually, the truth was I didn't want anybody to nick it. Um, and I didn't want anybody passing off as theirs. And, but something significant changed in that moment. Um, Andy put his name on Buzz's shoe because he went from being Buzz Lightyear to Buzz Lightyear belonging to Andy. Small difference to the outward appearance, but a huge difference to who he was. And from that moment, what set Buzz apart was the name on the bottom of his shoe. You know, Buzz suddenly realized that he had an owner who cared for him and valued him, and it's Andy's seal. It's his seal. And from that realization, from that truth, Sid the toy torturer is defeated and all the other toys are saved. Why? Why from that moment? Because Buzz understood his worth wasn't defined by his job, but by his relationship to Andy. And their friendship was born and cemented in that moment. And just a little bit of an aside, just about friendship really... um, You know, friendships are highly valued in all cultures across the world. And over the course of your life, you'll have loads of different friendships that need to be maintained. But let me tell you this, all meaningful relationships take some level of friendship. And that's why as much as I love social media, it's become more difficult to understand the true meaning of friendship. When I can become somebody's friend by requesting it or clicking on a button or easily defriend them, by clicking on a button. I think we've lost a level in our world of a definition of friendship there. So what is God's understanding of friendship? Well, I think it's something like this. It's a free gift that comes in the form of a man called Jesus Christ who wants to be my friend even on my worst days. And I've had a few of them recently. Even on my worst days. Even when I'm acting out of jealousy and fighting on a drive, he loves me then. And even when I'm feeling alone and broken, and even when I'm not choosing him, even when I'm not choosing him. And if you would say that you follow Jesus this morning, when was the last time you lifted up your foot and saw whose name was written there? It's not really written on your shoe, is it? It's written on your heart. Impermanent marker. Just as Andy had a seal this is God's seal on, seal on us. From 2 Corinthians 1, 21, 22. And it says this. Now it is God himself who has anointed us. And he's constantly strengthening both you and us in union with Christ. He knows we are his since he has also stamped his seal of love over our hearts. And has given us the Holy Spirit like an engagement ring is given to a bride. A down payment of the blessings 
to come. That's how important you are. You know those people that you meet through your life who are intent on getting 300 photographs out of their wallet of all their family members just to show you, uh, show you them. Do you know what? If God had a wallet, your photo would be in it. And those people that have got their screensavers as their favourite person or their favourite pet. Do you know what? If God had a screensaver to be your picture. And when you go in those people's houses and they've got drawings over their fridge that you can't really work out what they are, but they're important to them. Um, our fridge is covered in stuff like that with, with, from children that, that we adore and love. And do you know what? If God had a fridge, your drawing would be on there with a magnet. Your drawing would be up there. It's summed up in this one verse that says how God sees us and how God talks about us. And it's in 1 Peter 2 verse 9. And it says this. For you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. So why is this seal so important to us? Three things why this seal is important. One, so we can remember whose we are. Two, so we can prove whose we are. And thirdly, so we can know we belong to that family. We need to look at ourselves from a different perspective, guys. We need to hear from a source that has authority to comment and is the best informed. Do you know when I want to know something about something? I want to go and ask somebody who knows what they're talking about. So when an authority in a topic or a subject tells me something, I can count on it. Let me tell you, God is the absolute authority on who we are. God is the absolute authority on who we are. And what does that verse in 1 Peter tell us about who God says we are? Firstly this, we are chosen, we are acceptable. Eugene Peterson says this, you are the ones chosen by God from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. And I need to say this line, as cheesy as it sounds, but God loves you from infinity to beyond. Infinity to beyond. I'm God's favorite, you know. I am absolutely 100% God's favorite. But so is Gemma. And so is Bernard. And so is Sinead. And so is Russ. We are all God's favorite. I don't have to jostle for position. I don't have to manipulate for authority. I don't have to do something to make me stand out more than you. All that time I waste on jealousy and envy and turning everything into a competition is wasted energy. It's wasted. God didn't just choose one of us. He didn't choose the best of us. He didn't choose the most attractive of us. He didn't choose the most useful of us. God chose all of us. And sharing that relationship in no way lessens the relationship. Let me tell you, it just deepens it. Secondly, the verse said that we are God's very own possession. That means to me that we are valuable. We are valuable. Our purpose in life is not to be important. Our purpose in life is to remember we are already important. Who you are is enough. Have you ever gone to buy something, something that you really, really wanted, and when you saw the price tag, you went, no way, no way. Or, I'm going to confess something to you now, I do this all the time. Have you ever gone into a shop and you know you couldn't afford anything out of it? 
Is it, please don't leave me hanging, guys. Is it just me? You go into a shop. You know you can't afford anything out of it. You make out you're checking for your right size. When really you're checking out the price. And then you do that thing where you go, I don't really like the colour. And you casually put it back and then just walk off like you were going to buy it. In, like I was going to buy it in the first place. Of course it wasn't. It's amazing, isn't it? How once you put a designer brand on something, the price just shoots up. Let me tell you, the name changes everything. The name changes everything. And if I find something too expensive, there'll be two reasons why I don't buy it. One is I can't afford it. The second thing, I'm not willing to part with the amount of money it takes to buy it. An item's value is determined by how much somebody's willing to pay for it. So whether you say you follow Jesus this morning or not, just consider this question. What exactly was the price that was paid for you? What exactly was the price that was paid for you? Jesus didn't look at the price tag attached to me and think, I don't have enough to buy you, Jane. Or, I'm not willing to spend what I've got to purchase you, Jane. Jesus didn't do that. How much did he hand over to get me? 1 Corinthians 6 verse 20 tells me exactly how much you were God's expensive purchase paid for with tears of blood so by all means use your body to bring glory to God what was that high price to write his name on my life blood there is no commodity in the world more valuable than that I am the most expensive purchase in history I am I'm the most expensive purchase in history. And when other people's words or opinions have made me feel cheap or worthless or less valued, I need to remember I should get the receipt out of my pocket and go, just check that. Just check how much I'm worth. Another thing about belonging is that we're often drawn to wherever we feel wanted. If I feel wanted, then I feel like I belong. And that's one of the things that we want people to experience when they come to any of our life central locations. We want people to come in and feel wanted. We want them to feel as though they belong. We want you to feel as though you're invited. It's a really powerful thing, feeling wanted. Do you know why I know it's powerful? Because that feeling of being wanted, can, people can end up doing things they swore they would never do. Or find themselves going to places they thought they would never, ever go. All because they felt or wanted to feel wanted. I want to show you something this morning that is beyond question or beyond any shadow of a doubt. God wants you. And before you had any thoughts about wanting God, he was already wanting you. How do I know that for certain? Psalm 139. You saw who you created me to be before I, came, before I became me. Before I'd ever seen the light of day, the number of days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. Every single moment you're thinking, how obsessive is that? Every single moment you are thinking of me. How precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly in your every thought. Oh God, your desires toward me are more than the grains of sand on every shore. When I awake each morning, you're still with me. Jesus is willing to pay for me and for you with his life. That's how wanted we are.
So here's a question this morning. Whose name is on your life? Maybe not on your shoe, but on your heart. Whose name are you living for? If somebody found you and they picked you up, had to look at who your, look at your life, who would they identify as your owner? Who would they say you belong to? In other words, can people tell that I follow Jesus or have I forgotten somewhere in an area of my life that I am his? This might help us a little. I found a list of words that go along with belonging in a thesaurus, and here they all are. Owned by, allied to, held by, associated with, at the disposal of, connected with, linked to, in the hand of, included by. And that's a challenging list because I don't like some of the words on there, but I'd rather know that I belong to someone, that I am that important to the maker of the universe. Because what makes me who I am is who I belong to. I want to tell you an absolute truth this morning, that I really found out who I was when I finally understood whose I was. The name changes everything. I'm just going to invite the guys to come back. The name changes everything. And I don't know what's happening in your world at the moment, but is there an area in your life where you've forgotten that you're his? Where you've forgotten that you're wanted? Where you've forgotten that it's your photo in God's wallet that he wants to show off? And maybe loads of things will flood your mind and you'll go, yeah, but Jane, you, you don't know what my life's, you don't know what my home life's life. You don't know where I've come from. You don't know what my family situation is. You don't know, you know, maybe what I did last night. Do you know what? I don't need to know. He already does and he still loves you and he still wants you and you still belong. You still belong. And I want to pray for all of us this morning because we all need to know who we belong to. Before you know who you are, know whose you are. Know whose you are. And as I pray, if there is an area in your life where you just think, God, I've just forgotten that, or he's got overwhelmed by stuff, normally it's other people's stuff. But if you feel, God, I need to look down at my foot again and see your name written on the bottom of there. Then think about that area in your life right now and just see Jesus stamped over it. Stamped over it. Lord, I just want to thank you that whether we know you or not, we are yours. Father, whether your name has been stamped on our foot for 50, 60 years, Father, whether it's been a week, whether it is yet to be stamped, God, we are still yours. And Lord, I pray right now for those areas of our life where maybe circumstances or activity or change or transition has overwhelmed that and 
Maybe we felt that your name's been eroded away over that part of our life. God, we just want to say, you are stamped over our heart. And if we have to wipe some dust away or wipe some dirt away, Father, we will do that so that it's your name that shines through over our heart again. And I want to pray for those who feel exceptionally challenged by that this morning. I know it's not as easy as just having a name stamped over us, but God, we need to remember whose we are so that we walk into that situation, into our world, knowing that we're not on our own. That there's not somebody more attractive, more desirable, more useful to you. That we are your most expensive purchase and always will be in the history of this world. Help us to walk walk out of here this morning, Lord God, knowing whose we are and who we belong to and that we are wanted. Because I ask that in Jesus' name. And just as we finish, you know, it doesn't stop there because just as Woody helped Buzz realise his worth and his importance and his value, we need to do that for other people. We have a responsibility, you know, that once we know that, that verse in 1 Peter says, as a result of, because you are God's possession, because you are accepted, because you are valued, as a result, will you go and find somebody else to do that for? And I really toyed with the idea of asking Dan to sing, You've Got a Friend in Me. But I really couldn't go that cheesy for him. But you know what? That is what Jesus is singing over our lives this morning. You've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me. Then we need to offer others that friendship. Not virtual, not digital, but real friendship. One that is rooted in loving one another the way that he has loved us. That's the very best way to love. Jesus said, put your life on the line for your friends. You are my friends when you do the things that I command you. And how has Jesus loved us? With an all-consuming love. And we're going to sing one final song. And I'm not going to apologize for this song at all. Because the first line says, he is jealous for me. For me. And I don't have to jostle for my position or my place in God's affections. Because he's jealous for you too. So let's stand together as a family this morning and sing about this awesome love that God has got for us because this is how he loves us. This is how he loves us. You belong.